News outlets call for Russia to release imprisoned U.S. journalist. Victoria Kim Eric Schmidt Brendan Hoffman Mark Santora Editors and publishers of three major American newspapers are jointly calling for Russia to immediately release Evan Gershkovich, a Wall Street Journal reporter, describing his detention as unjust and unacceptable in a full-page ad in their print editions. Mr. Gershkovich's arrest in Russia last month while he was on a reporting trip in the city of Ekaterinburg escalated tensions between Washington and Moscow and has had a chilling effect on the already challenging work of journalists reporting on the country. The ad, published in the journal, The Washington Post and The New York Times on Thursday, calls Mr. Gershkovich's arrest wrongful and says it is the latest in a disturbing trend where journalists are harassed, arrested or worse for reporting the news. Reporting is not a crime, the ad says. Evan is a distinguished journalist whose coverage has provided an important window into one of the world's most isolated countries. His detention is a loss not just for our individual publications but for the people of Russia and society at large. The Russian authorities formally charged Mr. Gershkovich with espionage on April 7. His employer, his lawyers and the U.S. government have vigorously denied the charges. The Biden administration has classified him as wrongfully detained, in effect stating that he is being held as a political prisoner. Russian officials have not provided any evidence to support the accusations. He remains in custody at Lefertovo Prison in Moscow, a facility where inmates are held in isolation with rare visits from lawyers after his appeal for release from pretrial detention was denied last week. Russia's foreign minister, Sergei V. Lavrov, suggested this week the possibility of a prisoner swap that would include Mr. Gershkovich. In a news conference at the United Nations, Mr. Lavrov said that Mr. Gershkovich and another American prisoner being held in Russia, Paul Whelan, had been caught when they were committing a crime, receiving material containing state secrets. Russian officials have also yet to provide any evidence supporting their accusations about Mr. Whelan. The State of the War Spring Offensive Ukraine is preparing to launch a counteroffensive against Russian forces in the face of immense risks. Without a decisive victory, Western support for Ukraine could weaken, and Kiev could come under increasing pressure to enter serious peace talks to end or freeze the conflict. In the South Russian troops are forcibly relocating people from occupied areas near the city of Kherson as fighting there intensifies, Ukrainian officials said. Grain supplies When Russia's war blocked vitally needed Ukrainian grain exports, EU officials succeeded in finding other routes out. But the solution has caused discontent among European farmers. Ukraine has combat vehicles in time for an expected counteroffensive, NATO's military commander says. Nearly all the combat vehicles Ukraine's Western allies promised to deliver in time for Kiev's expected spring counteroffensive have arrived, NATO's top military commander said on Wednesday. Over 98% of the combat vehicles are already there, said the officer, General Christopher G. Cavalli, who is also the top commander of U.S. forces in Europe. In testimony before the House Armed Services Committee, he said, I am very confident that we have delivered the material that they need and will continue a pipeline to sustain their operations as well. General Cavalli's comments were his most expansive on the war in Ukraine and America's military support of Kiev since he assumed the European and NATO commands last year. 
The United States and NATO allies have supplied Ukraine with extensive artillery and ammunition for the long-heralded counteroffensive, and, officials now say they are hopeful that the supplies will last, a change from two months ago, when they were only trickling in and U.S. officials worried that they might run out. General Cavalli explained to lawmakers how the allies had worked with Ukraine to determine their war needs. We checked it a couple of times, and we gathered it from our allies, who were very generous, especially with regard to tanks and armored fighting vehicles. And we have been shipping it into the country, General Cavalli said, adding, the Ukrainians are in a good position. Asked why the Biden administration had not rushed the delivery of advanced U.S. fighter jets, like Air Force F-16s, to Ukraine, General Cavalli said that Ukrainian forces had other more urgent requirements for the offensive, which U.S. officials now expect to start as early as next month. Celeste Wallander, the Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security Affairs, told the lawmakers that advanced Western fighter aircraft ranked only about eighth on Ukraine's priority list. She said officials focused on resources with the highest priority capabilities, and that has been air defense, artillery and armor. There's also a timing issue, Ms. Wallander added. What do they require right now, which is what we've been focused on for the battles that they're facing? What can we deliver that will be timely and effective? Ukraine shares few details of its operational planning with the United States, but the counteroffensive appears likely to unfold in the country's south, including along Ukraine's coastline on the Sea of Azov, near the Russian-occupied Crimean Peninsula, American officials say. While Ukrainian officials have said that their goal is to break through dug-in Russian defenses and create a widespread collapse in Russia's army, American officials have assessed that the counteroffensive is unlikely to dramatically shift momentum in Ukraine's favor. Advertisement. Amid air raid sirens, traditional dance and song bring Ukrainians together. Credit, Brendan Hoffman for The New York Times. KYIV, Ukraine, on a recent Wednesday evening, in a third-floor dance studio, half a dozen twenty-somethings spun and stomped to the cheery tunes of a Spotify playlist. These weren't the latest pop hits or TikTok trends, however, the dancers were practicing kazaki, polkas, waltzes and other traditional styles of Ukrainian dancing, set to instrumental tunes played on the violin and bubon, a sort of Ukrainian tambourine. Even ten years ago, this culture was something very old-fashioned and not interesting, something you can see in a museum, but now it's totally changed, said Artem Selikov, a 21-year-old who was taking the class. Traditional dancing was becoming popular again, but Russia's full-scale invasion just accelerated it, Mr. Tselikov said. People started to ask themselves the existential questions of their identity, he said. When we eliminated Russian pop culture, our traditional things got an opportunity. The songs and dances have had a resurgence in part because of the work of Andriy Levchenko, 31, and Katerina Capra, 28, co-founders of the cultural organization RIS. For nearly a decade, inspired in part by their experiences during the pro-Europe Maidan protests, they have been undertaking expeditions to record and preserve traditional songs, especially from villages in central and eastern Ukraine. For the past several years, they have been organizing classes teaching traditional songs, dances and musical instruments. In Ukrainian music, there is a lot about what people are living through right now, Ms. Capra said. In Ukrainian history, there were a lot of wars, and this music helped people to live and go on.
There was little sign of the emotional turmoil of wartime Ukraine as dozens of people gathered in the open air of a cafe rooftop a few days later in the city center. Preparations for the evening's event, setting up seating for musicians and collecting tickets from the patrons, continued even as the air raid siren wailed and a boom momentarily turned heads, likely the sound of Kiev's air defenses. The warning was soon lifted, and live traditional Ukrainian music began as scheduled. Irina Boyko, 18, a history student, was there to enjoy herself. When the full-scale war started, I decided we needed to live here and now, and I went to the first lesson, she said. You understand that it's a part of our culture that was suppressed under the Soviet Union, and now we want to bring back our tradition. I just didn't know that it was that fun. Urina Dron, 30, who works with RIS to organize dance classes, was first out on the dance floor. Later, she picked up a violin. The most beautiful thing about traditional dances is that people dance them for themselves, only for themselves, she said. It's not a performance. It's not a show. It's just to have fun, to dance to the music you hear. Brendan Hoffman a reporting team for an Italian newspaper comes under fire in southern Ukraine, and one journalist is killed. KYIV, Ukraine, a Ukrainian journalist working with the Italian newspaper La Repubblica was killed and his Italian colleague was injured on Wednesday when they came under attack as they traveled to the city of Kherson in southern Ukraine, the newspaper reported. Bogdan Bidik, who was working as an interpreter for the Italian journalist, Corrado Zanino, was killed in an attack at the gate to the city, most likely by Russian snipers, the paper said. Mr. Zanino was injured and is being treated at a hospital in Kherson. Both journalists had extensive experience covering the war, La Repubblica reported, and were clearly identified as members of the news media. We passed three checkpoints, Bogdan talked to the Ukrainian military, and they let us pass without problems, Mr. Zunino told the paper from his hospital bed. It wasn't a fighting zone. Then we got hit. I heard a hiss, and I saw Bogdan on the ground. He wasn't moving. I crawled out of the line of fire. I ran until I passed a civilian car. I was full of blood. I had to be taken to Kherson Hospital. He said he had been trying to contact Mr. Bidik, but got no answer. He was a great friend of mine, Mr. Zunino said. It's excruciating. La Repubblica said the continued threats posed by Russian snipers made it difficult to recover Mr. Bidik's body. His death was confirmed by Ukrainian officials in public statements. Ukrainian forces drove the Russians out of Kherson last fall, but the city has come under near-daily bombardment by Russian forces positioned on the east bank of the Dnipro River. They have used long-range artillery, airstrikes, rockets, snipers, drones and other weapons to keep the region under threat. Dozens of civilians have been killed in the attacks in and around the city since the Ukrainians regained control over the area. Data collected by the Committee to Protect Journalists shows that at least 15 journalists have been killed in Ukraine since Russia invaded in February 2022. Mr. Bidik would be the 16th.